Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us live. Uh, I just want to share briefly with you tonight as we uh, gather and reflect. Um, as I thought about the week and and uh, getting ready for this coming week and service tonight and and tomorrow morning and thinking about what what I wanted to say or, or really what what did God want to say uh, to us as, as a people gathering together um, tonight we come together we celebrate the birth of Christ and and uh, in tradition the theologians have called this the incarnation and what that means is to, to take on flesh. Incarnate means literally to take on flesh. And so we celebrate the fact that God came to be like us, like humanity. And, um, and that's a beautiful thing. And that's absolutely crucial. But what I want to share with you tonight is, is actually that, that this happens three times. And I want to talk about each of these times that it takes place and also what that has to do with us. And how we should respond to it. Because really, at the end of the day, the incarnation is really God being made known to us. That's what incarnation means. So God is most known to us through Christ. So if you want to know what God is like, open up the scriptures and read in the gospels and look at the life of Jesus. Because Jesus was God. But that's not the first time that God makes himself known to us. Actually, it happens millions and millions of times. It happens to us constantly. We're invited to be connected with God if we have eyes to see it. But the first place that God makes himself known to us is in creation. When God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 19, 1 through 4 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. This is what uh, the Franciscans call this, the first incarnation. That creation is actually the first incarnation. The first place where God's presence is made known to humanity. Where the Christ is born to humankind. Paul talks about this as well in Colossians 1.16. He says this, talking about Jesus. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And the purpose of this, why, do, why should we care about creation? Why is creation so essential? Why is creation the first incarnation that we know about? Well, it's, it gives us purpose and meaning. You go back to Genesis chapter 1 and, and it, we're told that God created us as human beings And he created us in his image. He made us. And that right there gives us value, gives us meaning, gives us identity. We discover who we are as human beings. But we also have purpose in life and how we live our life. But it also teaches us to value humanity as a whole. To realize that all people are created in the image of God. Not just those who realize it or believe in it, but every single one of us. We're all created in God's image. Therefore, we all have great value and wealth to God. And so we should see humanity in the same light as Jesus sees humanity. 
This mentality leads to philanthropy, it leads to human aid, it also leads to simple things like Jesus talks about in Matthew 25, like giving food to the hungry, drink to the thirsty, giving clothes to the naked, inviting the stranger into your home, visiting those in prison, and taking care of those who are sick. These are, these are in reality, the fundamentals of Christianity. This is Christianity at, at its base level, at its lowest form of functioning. To see it in this light. We have to see it in this light, but it's an entry level of understanding of what the faith is about. But without this understanding, we could ignore the needs of people around us and somehow find a way to live in denial that we have a responsibility to those around us. The second incarnation is what we expect it to be. It's Christ, the very presence of Christ that was in creation, that created all things, somehow in a mysterious way becomes human like us and becomes born into humanity. It's what it, I'll call the second act of the play, so to speak. And it's what we're most familiar with. But it's when God becomes like us that Christ would willingly become like us. And when he does this, he validates humanity. He says that we're important. That God loved us enough to become like us to redeem us and make us whole and make us right. The Gospel of John, the writer of the Gospel of John, John picks up on this and he says in John chapter 1, he says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of nature, natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh, Christ became like us, and made his dwelling among humanity, among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so Jesus comes to become, the very presence that created all things becomes like us, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. And that's why we give gifts, because not only was Christ given gifts, was Jesus given gifts, but also that, that Jesus is the greatest gift of God given to humanity to redeem us. And Jesus taught us as well. He said, love God and, and love one another and love yourself. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you and do it all through the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he said. But when God became man and revealed to us the way, the truth, and the life, it seemed like a covert operation the first time around. It wasn't obvious to everybody that that's who he was. It was almost like something only a select group had or knew about, and it was very limited in its scope at first. But he talked about the way, which is the path of God, or some other faith traditions call enlightenment. He talked about truth. That truth is the fact that Jesus is the only way, that he is the truth and that he is the life. And he talked about life, which is what we get as believers, as we place our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He also defeated sin and death and restored humanity, us, to right relationship with God and made all things possible. And with this understanding, we begin to live into the kingdom of God. We seek it and ask for it to be manifest on earth. We become what Paul called a new humanity because of what Jesus did with his life and his death and the resurrection. And our invitation becomes to live a life set free from the entanglement of sin. 
to be a light in this world in how we live, to reveal to others the truth of God's love for them, and in doing so, expand God's kingdom on earth. And that's how we live our life. But most of us as Christians stop there with our understanding. But there's one more act to the play. There's a final act. There's the final incarnation, or what I'll call the third incarnation. This incarnation is Christ fully revealed to the entire world. Where this time, not just a select few have an understanding or an expression or experience, but literally everyone in humanity understands and knows the truth of who he is. Paul talks about this in Philippians 2. He says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is what is talked about in the book of of Revelation at the end of all time, that this will happen, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. When Jesus comes back, when the Christ comes back, the resurrected Christ, in his fullness, there will be no doubt of who he is. And every single person will know on earth. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess the truth of who Jesus is. This is the final and the third kind of unveiling of who God is to humanity. And then there's a piece of this that's, that's a mystery. And I'm still trying to work this out in my own life. But we, we see these passages in scriptures and I want to point this out to us. Because there's an invitation for us in this tonight. Paul talks about it in Ephesians 1. He says this, Jesus, or the Christ, made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the time reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and and under Christ. So at this point, it's no longer simply a human being, Jesus of Nazareth. At this point at the second coming, we have the resurrected Christ, And the point of the resurrected Christ, Paul says, is to unify all things unto himself and to bring that all together. I have no idea what that all looks like, but it's fascinating to begin to think about faith in light of that truth. But this is a state of awareness where very few come to understand and see this bigger picture, to live out this truth that the kingdom of God is manifest and made real here now in our lives. This is the state that the prophets lived in. From time to time, you, you see the readings of the prophets and you see like they saw this bigger picture, this massive understanding. You see that Moses has a glimpse of this when he's on Mount Sinai with, with God, communing one-on-one with him. And I think the disciples lived in that space where they saw a bigger understanding of, of the purpose of God, but the purpose of, of humanity and what humanity was to be about. There was a... a um, a French priest, he was a theologian, but actually he was a scientist, and he lived in, in the early um, 20th century. His name was Teilhard. And this is, I just want to share some reflections that he had, because I think he begins to put words around what Paul was saying in Ephesians 1, and what God wants us to understand as followers of Jesus. But Teilhard called it the law of attraction. He called it connection. He called it complexity. He called it consciousness. Teilhard believed that it was in it an important practice to continue to develop new awareness of God, to see reality with spiritual eyes. You begin to see everything and everyone around you is surrounded by God's love when you begin to see God in all things, and all things in God. I think Paul picks up on on this same idea in Colossians 1.27 when he says, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Literally, that Christ is, is united in us, connected in us in some way, and therefore 
if Christ is connected in us, then we are connected with one another in this mysterious way. And in this state of awareness and connection to God, nothing else matters but this connection. But at the same time, everything matters. There's, it's fascinating to look at, at science, and, and oftentimes there's, religion has had a, a love-hate relationship with science through the centuries. And now, I think more and more, we're beginning to realize that a lot of what science is saying, God has been saying to us for a long time. And I want to read just something that I, that I have known about, but um, I think is very fascinating. I think it, it speaks also to what Teilhard said, but also what Paul said in quantum physics. And some of you might know this, which is, it blows my mind. I don't, again, I don't understand it, but this is, what, this is what scientists are saying is true. It says, quantum mechanics states that the universe is made up of space filled with fields of vibration, interconnected, unified, and in constant communication, where distance and time are of no consequence, where no, end, no one end of the universe moves connected and in relationship to the other end. And everything in between is a grand movement or a dance held in space. In truth, then, our lives are indeed everything in the entire, and everything in the entire universe are not only all connected, but absolutely so without separation. I think Jesus says the same thing in John 17 when he's, he's getting ready to give his life for humanity, to, be, to redeem humanity. And he says, he says, that, I, that I'm one with the Father. And then he goes on to, to make this outrageous statement. He says, and I want you to be one with the Father and one with me. Just as I am one with the Father, I want you to be one with me. And he talks about this interconnectedness of people, of humanity with God. And it's, it's almost exactly what, what the quantum mechanics is talking about, and, and it's really mind-blowing. So what, what's the point? Pastor Jimmy, why are you giving this confusing message on Christmas Eve when it's supposed to be light and fluffy and quick? Because we all have things to do. Well, here's the point of this, of these three incarnations that I, wanna, that I wanted to share with you. We, have, we live in the first, or, the, or what is the second, which is Christ, the presence of Christ being born. And, and we're good with that. We've heard about that many times. But, we, but we're invited, I think, to, to have a recognition and a realization of all three of these. A creation is also an incarnation. But also, at the end, when Jesus comes back, that's another reality where God is birthed into the world once again. And, and it's all in connection, and it's all for the purpose of relationship. All of it, at the end of the day, is all about relationship. That God wants to be in relationship with us. But all three of these matter, and here's why. If you're attempting to live in stage two, the place that we're most familiar with, with, with the presence of Christ is embodied in Jesus of Nazareth, and, but you don't have an awareness of, of stage one, then you will force the truth that you think you know upon others. And you will have an unhealthy view of yourself and of God. But if you live in stage one, which is incarnation, is creation, the first creation is an incarnation, and you stay there, you'll have a loving view of humanity and of yourself and of the earth with great respect for others, but you will not love the things enough to engage in the hard truths and the reality of sin and its effect in this world. And you will fail to live into your purpose and calling as a human being. But if you live in stage two, which is Christ being born as a human being, with a healthy understanding of stage one, which is that creation is the first incarnation, 
then you will be able to walk in the way, the truth, and the life, but you will also be short of what fullness of life looks like without the understanding, that last understanding, that Christ is also new at the end of time. For we were designed by our Creator to move through each understanding. Understanding of who we are and how we were created, understanding of who Jesus is and how He is the way and the truth and the life, but also a deeper understanding that Christ is coming back and to connect and to draw all things to Himself. And that expression of God is about relationship and love. This is the greatest openness. This is how Jesus operated when He was on earth. He lived with this truth in light. And we are also invited to live with that truth in life, with all three of those understandings. We carry those with us and live those out in reality. And there's very few people that have that and do that, and so it's hard to sit up here and say, well, this is how you do it. But tonight what I want to do is I just want us to be aware of this. I want us to see a Christianity that's much bigger than just a baby born in a manger to Mary and Joseph. But we have to do something with that. That truth requires a response from us, and not just a response where we accept it and go tell everybody else about it, but realize that there's a bigger picture at play here. And, there's a, and that bigger picture was launched at creation and goes all the way to the end of time, and we're invited into that. And all of it is about surrender. It's all about letting go. It's about letting go what, of what you think it should look like, how you think it should go, and embracing what God is inviting you into. And for those of us here, <clears throat> no matter where we are with God, whether we're walking daily and we're spending time in prayer and reading the scriptures and we're connected, that's great. Or whether we're, we're, we haven't spent time with the Lord for a while or we haven't prayed for a while or we haven't had an, any kind of relationship or what we call a relationship with God for a while, everyone in between are all invited into a connection with God. But this is how it happens through Jesus, through the Christ presence being born to us as the greatest gift that we can ever be given. So I want to finish with this last verse from Revelation 22. This is John reflecting. This is the end of the book of Revelation, and and the author is reflecting on the whole picture. This is somebody that actually knew Jesus, saw the, the incarnation in person, but had a bigger picture of all three of these incarnations, of creation, of of Jesus, of Nazareth, but also knew that Jesus was coming back. And, and, and God gave him this unbelievable image of how to function and how to be. But this is what he says, kind of at the end of all things. He says, the spirit and the bride say, come. We're the bride of Christ. The spirit of God and the bride, that's us. We say, come, as in, come back, Jesus. Come and be with us. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, Come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. And that's what we're invited into, is the free gift. But we're invited to live with this truth that God is not only with us all the time, but God is coming back for us to make himself fully known to all humanity. And our invitation is to start to live as though that is true now. That God is coming back. And Christ will be fully known to everyone. And it's our job to walk around and to begin that process and to invite people to a deeper understanding of who God is and how God loves us and has redeemed us and forgiven us and made us right. So whatever we're doing in this holiday season after this is over and, and we stop singing songs about you know babies in mangers and, and putting up things on stages, it doesn't end. It still goes on. 
And so we're invited to continue on in that place, to a deeper understanding of walking with God and seeing who God is in, in all the ways that God reveals himself to us. So we're going to have a final reading, and then we're going to light candles together to finish our service off and sing. So I'm going to invite the fifth reading to come up and, and read for us. This is John 1, 1 through 5 and verse 9. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at office at washingtonchurch.org or go to our website, washingtonchurch.org.